Welcome everyone to McKinsey's Digital Dinner Podcast, hashtag digital dinner. This is our series that brings together different voices in Silicon Valley to explore interesting issues emerging in our digital world while enjoying some good food and drink, which we're definitely doing tonight. Uh, we're, meet we're meeting tonight at the Central Kitchen Restaurant here in San Francisco. I'm Brian Gregg. I'm a partner in our McKinsey San Francisco office, and I am thrilled to be joined tonight by four leaders in the Valley. Let's go around the table, just introduce ourselves. Maybe let's start with who you are, what you do, and tell us what is one of your favorite apps that you've recently discovered. So Kira, maybe we'll start with you. Great, I'm Kira Wampler. I'm the CMO at Lyft, the ride-sharing company, and I will be that self-promotional person to say that my favorite app is <laughs> Lyft. Yeah. Um, I hope everyone agrees. And I'm Diane Esbra. I'm an associate partner in our San Francisco office, and I spend all my time in marketing and sales for both B2C and B2B companies. And I think if I were to think of a recent favorite app, I think it's probably something like a Move Loot, uh, which is a furniture selling app. So my name is Sunil James. I'm uh, an investor at Bessemer Venture Partners. Uh, it's a firm that's uh, uh, global in nature. Um, I invest in a variety of things, including uh, things related to internet infrastructure, security, mobile, and a few other areas. Um, my most, it's not my most favorite app per se, but it's something that I am really, uh, I use all the time, uh, is Audible. Um, mm -hmm. My wife, I call it reading, my wife calls it listening. I, there's, I think we're mincing words here, but I'm processing data and I mm. process more books over the last two years than I have in my entire adult life, I think, mm. because of the fact that I get to listen to books all the time. That's cool. So. Not just cereal? Not yeah. just cereal. <laughs> Not just cereal. Hi, I'm Mary Beth Lawton. Um, I'm the SVP of e-commerce at Sephora. And uh, favorite recent app, um, kind of along the lines of what Diana is saying, the one I've been using recently is Hotel Tonight, if you guys are familiar. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar idea of like take a niche thing that you know, before you, you kind of dreaded the experience and now they've made it super easy, kind of fun. You want to discover what the latest, you know, yeah. deals are um, and yeah, made it really easy. So it's fun. Very good. Well, thank you for all being here. Tonight topic is cracking the code on mobile first. I'm wondering if you for a minute talk about what are some of the things that maybe headlines have published about mobile or that mobile gurus or futurists have talked about that aren't having, either haven't yet come true or we would just dismiss as a complete myth. I think there's a number of headlines that feel like that. And as you project out, even in 2020, you find 80 to 90% of sales will happen in a physical location. So that seems to be mythical. I mean, there's, there's truth in that the, the mobile, mobile device, whether it's a, a tablet or a phone, will play a role. But we're still in a store. Yeah, I think about it actually as the opposite of we view mobile as one of the key assets to help drive store, right? So it is kind of that key. It almost enables it. It's a key enabler. Like I said, yeah. it's like the assist we want to give our store staff to help better help our clients, right? And so it's actually such an enabler that I think it's only going to help strengthen the store experience, especially if you you know, focus it and have the right mobile experiences to supplement the in-store experience, um, which we're spending a lot of time on, I think it can really help. That's interesting. But yeah. I love that thinking, because a lot of people aren't there yet. Yeah. And they're, yeah. you know, I've got someone that's the head of retail stores, yeah. and I have someone that's the head of digital, yeah. and that's there's right. a fixed pie. But what's interesting, like just using that example, I was in a meeting the other day, their head of stores, right? And she's like, we're talking about doing clienteling on mobile devices, right, with clients when they come in the door. and. She's like, you know, hey, instead of creating a whole separate experience for 
the store staff to use. Why not, why don't we bolster the app experience on the consumer's mobile, make it a tool that the cast can, you know, our, our store staff could actually use mm -hmm. with the consumer yeah. to help them find what they're looking for. And we're like, what an idea, right? It's just Brilliant. that it's the idea of thinking of like mobile could actually be an asset. I think that's the right. key thing that our, our company has been lucky in that we've kind of broken through that and, and definitely view it that way. I think the other one, and we heard this a lot when I was at Trulia, was the like, the web is dead. Yes. Oh, you know, right? Like, yeah. like, well, there because there's mobile, there's no more web or right. there's no more desktop. desktop yeah. You know, desktop is dead. Um, and actually, it was just data that came out that it is not dead. Yeah. I just saw this tweet and then read the article. I, I can't remember. It was like Wall Street Journal or something, mm -hmm. but it was like, lo and behold, desktop is not dead. Um, and, and in fact, the pie is growing, right? Yeah. People are just using, spending right. more time with electronics. And we definitely saw this in the Trulia context where, mm. you know, like on the weekend, people were yeah. using their mobile apps, you know, because they are out at their open houses, but during the week, they're using the desktop because before work or during work, you know, they're working on their home buying search or they're working on their mortgage and they're sending it back. And, and they're just something, like you're not, I mean, as much as people are trying to do this, like. The, the intensity of going through a mortgage process is extremely hard to do on a mobile device. There's a lot of, you know, hype or blogging or even articles written about, like, what's the next domain to be one, right? Because so, so if you argue, you know, iOS and Android are b battling over who's going to win the phone, you could argue that the battle of, you know, the desktop has already been sort of more or less won, or at least the battle of search and the battle of these things. But if you think about the next domain to be the battlefield, is it the living room? Is it the automobile? Is it the home? Is it like, where is this, where do you see the next dominant player emerging? Maybe, Sonal, I'll start with you just because you think about the broader landscape. Yeah, I don't think it's a physical thing, mm. actually. I think it's you. Mm. And what I mean by that is we are all producing, we talk, this is a one big theme in this entire conversation. All this data comes up about you. No right? matter where you are. People are trying to get yeah. a sense of who you are without knowing who you are, through the actions you take, through the places you go. People take different activities, different attempts to figure that out. Mm -hmm. I think the next big battlefield is to figure out who can actually do something to figure out who you are. To get you to that world of predictiveness beyond what I think your experience was with at, at, at Pinterest or what you might be having in your life, I think people, that is, you are that battlefield, I think. And I think that's why you see all these steps taken to try to get more data from you to get you an understanding of who you are. These, everything else here is just a mechanism to know you better. So, I mean, I don't think it's like a device. I don't think it's a phone. I don't think it's a glass, right? I think it's these services that reside on top of all of these things to help yeah. manufacturers, to help vendors, to help retailers, to help whoever it is actually deliver better products and experiences to their customers. I think one of the things though, that, that would be interesting to discuss is it's not just like what it's not necessarily what um, category is mobile changing, but the way I think about it a lot is what category are millennials changing? Because I, I think that I wonder, it's sort of an I wonder question, if the two of them are so closely aligned that we mistake a lot of it around mobile. They're just collinear. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I, you know, so, so the, one of the things, and we talked about this a lot at Trulia and with real estate, and as millennials are moving into real estate, then how, how are they changing that experience and how are their expectations changing that experience? But frankly, that's true with transportation. They have Lyft and other, and other choices. So I, 
that's that would be an I wonder for this group, which is are we seeing that in other places, and what's the role of you know as millennials move into different categories, what will be their impact on each category? That is a great question for you, Sunil. As a seriously, as an investor, the collinearity between is it, are the millennials driving this change? Is it is it mobile? Is it the two of them together? When I was growing up, you at least for myself, I had to go buy a car. My dad said, "You need to go buy a car. You need to go save up money." enough money to go buy thousands of dollars when I was a kid. Now, you know, Lyft, you can get a ride for whatever, five bucks, six bucks, you in the city, seven bucks, whatever the number is, right? And it changes how you think about where and how I need to spend dollars. I think that, I think fundamentally, is part of what comes with millennials as well, is that the cost to do things has changed tremendously than maybe it was a generation beforehand. Right. right? Artificially or not. And I think that's changing a lot of these incentives around buying habits around cars or phones or whatever you're talking about. It was last year's Mary Meeker report. Was it last year? One, one of the two where okay. she talked about one of the key um, characteristics of millennials was being asset light. Yeah. And I thought that was actually extreme and very related to mobile. As a representative of a bigger company, Mary Beth in Sephora, or, or even in your past experience, I'm curious on what you just laid out as a dilemma. Like, how do you take what used to be a large screen where you could show lots of things, now that's maybe 20% of where people are spending time, 80% of is on the phone. So what organizationally are you having, or capability-wise, or skill, or even mindset-wise, are you having to shift to get people to think about, I've got you know, a couple pixels here to work with, and I've got to translate what is, in, in your case, a massive amount of SKUs and amazing amount of like experience in a store to this little small screen. Yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of time just thinking about the actual client experience from a mobile point of view, right? Even before mm -hmm. we get to the desktop. So literally picturing if we're going to be telling a story with multiple products and a you know, piece of content with it, how will it show up in mobile and can someone still understand it, right? And then we can build up from there and Ish, say. That's your first thing. It, it can be in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah, because otherwise we found, you know, if you solve for desktop first, try to whittle it down, it often ends up not working at the end, right? And so we've kind of taken a philosophy of, you know, um, we still actually want about 70% of our content to be shared across platforms, 30% on top of that to be mobile specific. And I think it's, for us, it's working out because it's putting enough focus, organizational focus and resource focus on, you know, truly mobile, unique experiences. So a good example for us is um, we noticed, you know, this behavior around taking selfie pictures, right? People yeah. are doing it all day. <laughs> and so how do we capture that and get people involved and having fun with it on our site? And so... It led to this idea of having what we call a beauty board, right? So people take um, a selfie, they put together a look with our makeup, you know, and skincare and so forth. Um, they upload it to our site and they use their mobile primarily, so over half the traffic's coming through mobile, right? And then they're um, tagging product, which leads to commerce too, right? So it's kind of the best of both worlds, but it, to your point, is kind of like, you know, drafting off of a consumer behavior that actually leads to real value for consumers. So I want to get back to this question of conversion. Yeah. Because I think this is a, this is a, this is not only an a important, question. important yeah. question, but yeah, very common. Where I think if you asked most commerce com e-commerce companies today, you'd find desktop number one in terms yep. of conversion, M-Web, mobile web second, and then the app is third. Not for us. Is that not true? It's not true. Interesting. Yeah. 
I think the reason for us that app is so, so highly converting relative to web is because we've oriented it toward our best clients. So we see like 60% of the people that are shopping on our app are top two tiers of our loyalty program. Okay. And they come like five times the number of times during the month as someone visiting mobile web. Um, so they're coming frequently. We've oriented the content and kind of the experiences to make them want to come back and to be feel like, you know, it's a rich experience. Um, and it, the conversion shows it, right? So I think it depends on where you invest, what you kind of orient each um, property toward, right? Whereas mobile web, we're like... Hey, you know, make them sh help them shop all day long. Like we just want them to get in, make the shopping easy for them because it's the people that are coming in from search and other places and just kind of want to get to their product and, and check out. Whereas app, they actually want a, a richer experience and it, it does lead to higher conversion and frequency. So it's it's been a conscious investment for us in yeah. the app piece. Now I'm just curious as you guys look out at the landscape of who's going to win. What are the capabilities that maybe haven't historically been critical to success that are in this new mobile era, our post-mobile era, are going to be critical. I think it is. It goes back to your point, Sonal, about like understanding consumer behavior. Like the ones that really spend the time to understand behavior and then design experiences around them, I think are the ones that are going to win because there's no shortage of approaches and ideas. And but if you're really giving you know consumers what they want, maybe it's an obvious point. I think you're you know. But enough companies, I think, are just worried about getting the latest feature and functionality, you know, that's out there, like, oh, we should be doing that versus like, no, what does your client actually, your consumer actually want? And are you designing to that, right? But I love that point because for, you know, all the big companies out there that are saying, okay, how do I figure that out? Yeah. How do I know what my customers want? Yeah. Is this about, you know, and we see some people just chasing the big shiny objects or is this about really deep research of my core demographic? Like what, how do I figure that out if I don't know it already? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of consumer research in a way. I mean, we found some of our most interesting insights of just, like, watching people try to buy on our site, right? I mean, one of our biggest insights was, like, okay, millennials these days, they're on your site, whether it's on your phone or desktop. Before they buy, they're going off to YouTube to watch a video using the product that we are offering them. Then they come back to our site and convert. Like, we're just seeing it's a natural part of their shopping path, yeah. and we're like crap, we got to get enough videos into the shopping path on our own site so that they're not leaving us to go to YouTube, right? So it's just the really observing the consumer and just, you know, seeing what they, they're doing and their behavior. And now we're actually making decisions to invest to address that behavior. So well, it's interesting to hear what you're saying is yeah. that, like, consumer analysis, consumer research product, you're just kind of thinking about user experiences. Yeah. It's not a new concept by no, the stretch. No, It's just the medium that we're <laughs> exactly, talking about. It's just yeah. the technology base that we're talking about. So yep. what does it take to win? I mean, doing more of what you did beforehand. Yeah, it's a good point, yeah. Right? I mean, it's just being able to do that as opposed to getting into this world where you think that the technology will lead you to where you need to go. We're actually focusing a lot on millennial behavior in-store um, with their mobile phone is pretty amazing. Like, hmm. So they view their mobile phone. It's the thing that's on them all day, right? And they're using it when they get into store as actually a shopping tool, right? So we are spending... It's probably our biggest conversation around millennials is like, how do we make sure we're designing for mobile in a way that can be a tool that they use when they're in the store and can actually be a, an assist to our store staff in helping that client, right? So it, it's kind of made us think a completely different way around our service model in stores, around you know, how we design our app to be functional. You have a store mode, so when you come in, you, there's actually like a, you know, 
a way that we can help you navigate your phone to help you shop in store versus an online experience. And that's probably been the most provocative conversation of just, you know, it's not just about them shopping online, it's about their shopping in store. In store. Yeah. You know, maybe the question comes down to if, if you are a company who grew up, and maybe Mary Beth, this is the best for you, if you grew up with roots and your 80% of your, 90% of your sales come from a physical base, what, what is your way of grappling with this new world that even in the physical store, you're not protected? Because there's something digitally happening. Yeah. I mean, I think we're lucky at Sephora in that we kind of were a younger retailer, so we've kind of grown up with digital being a big piece of the business, omni-channel being a kind of natural um, focus for the company. Uh, but I do think even even in our case, it's still, you know, the, there's still a reality of it's, you know, we've got to keep having the conversation. We've got to, you know, I'm constantly pulling in our head of stores to make sure we're talking things through together, right? Because you don't want to do things in, in isolation. No. Um, and she's got to feel comfortable with the experience that consumers are having in stores just as much as I have to feel like the mobile experience is, is what we want to do, right? And right. so it's... It's not easy, even in our case, yeah. Yeah, and so maybe let's, let's do, we've done a lot of current state. Let's do a little bit of, let's play with the future here for a second. So if you say, let's do three-year view, three, you know, 2018, which is not actually not that far away, two and a half years away. Um, tell us about your view of where this goes. Is mobile the next 10 years, the next five, like, is there some? Is there the next curve that we haven't thought about? Like, what, how do you see? Yeah, I feel like we still have so far to go with like the forms that mobile can take. Okay. I mean, I think about as an example, Beacon Technology, right? Which we're just now testing, rolling out in a handful of stores. And what we're finding is like we are so far from, you know, first perfecting that technology, but then second, like fully leveraging it and understand the because the power of it is, I think, going to be huge. Um, the idea that you can give personalized messaging at any point in someone's experience. Um, you know, we're doing things now like, okay, hey, you shopped online, you left some items in your basket, now you walk into a Sephora store, we remind you that you were looking at those items, we say, hey, they're in stock right here, right? Like, how relevant and cool is that, right? And so I just feel like we, when I think about examples like that, I feel like, wow, we still have so far to go to just, you know, take advantage of the the native capabilities of mobile that we're we're kind of scratching the surface, but I mean, mobile yeah. is way more than even a phone or a tablet. Totally, right? yeah. It is, it is wearable clothes. Yep. It is your Fitbit. It right. is, you know, Newfoundland shoelaces that can measure <laughs> how many steps. You, I mean, it's literally everything that can have some sort of embedded technology within it that gives you just a different purview yeah. on what you're doing on the move, right? And yeah. so I think that the new ways of thinking about like how to deliver experiences, I mean, just the fact, I have a, I have a Moto 360 watch, right? There's gonna be these different ways of interpreting like what does mobile mean based on yeah. what they want to get out of the watch experience yep. versus the, the phone experience. It'll take different way. forms, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so tell me, you guys can tell me if you agree or disagree, but mobile seems to be having this feeling of a King Kong effect, like it literally is dominating everything, whether it's Mary Meeker, whether it's the, the headlines, whether it's, you know, what, what people are investing in. And I'm just wondering if you see it the same way, like is, is mobile really the dominant force and should be 80% of the conversation? Or does it actually, are there places where mobile should not be so much the focus and we can't forget some of the things that used to be pre-mobile? 
you know, it's interesting for us, we see during promotional periods that people actually back away from mobile, spending more time on our desktop experience. And I think it's because they actually want to take the time to really figure out what they want to buy and, um, you know, browse our content and so forth. So I think it, it you know, isn't perfect for everything. Sorry, Brian, what do you mean that they want to, the implication there is that you can't do the kind of research on a mobile device for your use cases and experience, is that right? Yeah, I think mobile's great with bite-sized content, right? Okay. But where, you know, particularly for a brand like ours, where we have pretty hefty content around some areas like, you know, contouring is a big category right now. It is a makeup, you know, um, complicated area where you have to understand all the steps, you have to understand the why you'd use it, you know, that we have buying guides online, we have really deep, rich content that right. people want to actually spend time and engage in, and we see that. Um, it's but they don't. But it's not a two-minute yeah. exercise, and yeah. if they're pulling out their phone, they don't want to just, you know, spend that time on their phone. They'd rather sit down and actually absorb it. All right, let's do the round robin to finish this up. So this is always fun, especially after Mary has already, Mary Meeker has always told us what she thinks. Um, what we like to finish up is, if, you know, when we do our podcast with all of you in a couple years, What's the trend you expect, and maybe it's mobile influence, maybe it's not, what's the trend you expect to really take off, the thing that you're ex excited? And I'll, I'll start because it's not, an unfair, it's not a fair question unless I, I start. What I really hope, the trend that I hope that takes off <clears throat> is personal healthcare tracking. I cannot wait, and I hope all the dollars in the world go to the day where I can actually figure out what my cholesterol level is, figure out what my blood pressure level is, and you name the next three metrics I need to care about, and that's it. I only need six. I get that, you know, it's great that Nike and Fitbit and the rest have figured out how to tell me how many steps I take in a day and how many calories are burning. That's a good start, but it, I don't know if it's game-changing. I, I need a game where I can get my vitals daily, hourly, ideally, and that, that will be phenomenal. If I can get in three years, if we're talking about med tech and health tech, I will love that podcast. Kira, what do you think? I have two thoughts. So the first is related to yours, and that is um, there are people who want data, and there are people who need motivation. And um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that it is, it is a very Silicon Valley view. It is very engineering-oriented view <laughs> that data will produce change. We are missing the way to keep us motivated and stay on track and data is one piece of the puzzle. Knowing this information is one. I mean, this goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is like we're awash in data, and we are actually not awash in information or the why. And, and the why is also related to motivation. So I don't know what the answer is, but I'm hopeful. I mean, I love my badges. Speaking of my Fitbit, I love my badges. Um, but I also think that like, other humans outside of Silicon Valley <laughs> need, more, need more than that. Other people need to sit in the front seat. I get yeah, it. so that's I one. But, I would say, but, but then I would say, interestingly, I, I do actually really hope it's the sharing economy. So there was recently okay. a PwC report that only 8% of Americans have participated in the sharing economy. I mean, it's really fascinating. Diane, what do you think? Yeah. I think that Silicon Valley has been a little self-indulgent so far and where we've taken this, right? And, you know, one of the apps I mentioned was Luck, so I don't have to find parking in the city. Someone can park my car for me on demand, right? And I think what I'm excited to see is, is this kind of innovation take over in industries and, quite frankly, government that really needs the change. And I'm not quite sure when that inflection point will happen, but if we can get into places, you know, healthcare is one, but I really think 
you know, something like government could be revolutionized by a lot of these changes. So for me, I think that would do a lot of social good in addition to making us all feel better about our day-to-day -day lives. Can I just say, this dessert, you... I haven't tried yet. I'm you gonna need to, now I have to try it, right? If you for coffee, you will... I love it. Unbelievable. And please don't edit that out because that is, <laughs> that is truth. Dinner's been good here. It's been really good, actually. Amazing. Yeah. All right. So now, future podcast. What, what's happening in your world? So I think that the thing that we're spending, we and myself, I think are looking to spend more time on, are things that allow for more actual physical exploration. And I don't mean just like the planet or outer space, which are things that we actually are investing in as well. Right? We have an active space roadmap where we're trying to make it easier for us to get out into, this, into the solar system and try to reduce the cost of getting things into space. But things that, you know, like instead of me sitting at a table and simply just conversing with somebody via a mobile device, something that forces connection at a more meaningful level. I think there's all this thing around trying to make your life easier, and we've talked about that you know, until, our, until, the, until our ears are blue, but the idea of actually bringing some sense of humanity back to our planet rather, and, and, and making millennials or the next generation recognize that your life is not about your data, it's not about your device, it's actually about the person sitting across from you. And things that promote that kind of conversation, things that promote the, the thinking and the ideas and the growth that comes from that as opposed to just knowledge consumption for some innate purpose is what I'm hoping to find more of. Experiences where I've taken Lyft or Uber or services like that, I regularly get into conversations about these people's stories and yeah. what's motivating them and oftentimes they'll reciprocate they'll ask me about me. But oftentimes, more often than not, it's surprising in the last couple of months, people are doing this for fun. Huh? Yeah. They I use know it. it as a chance. I had one today. Right, they use it as a chance. Yeah, they make money, but and I, I have to take it with face it. value, right? Totally. They do it for fun, yeah. to totally. meet people, it's which amazing. I can believe. Thank you, everyone. I want to thank you again for joining me tonight for our digital dinner, our ongoing podcast. This has been a, such a treat for me, and I've really enjoyed myself. But for our listeners, please tweet us your ideas for our next digital dinner next month. Who do you want to hear from? What do you want to hear about? And to learn more about what we're publishing next, check our McKinsey Digital and McKinsey on Marketing Sales website. And please, fo please follow us on Twitter as well because we're just kicking off our hashtag digital dinner hashtag there. Thanks again, everyone, and thanks for being with me. Kira Wampler, Sonal James, Mary Beth Lawton, and Diane Esber. It's been a real joy. Good night. Thank you. Good job.